I'm Gideon from the Burning Veil podcast, and you are listening to the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Keep it up, guys. You're doing a great job. Welcome back to the Infinite Rabbit Hole. I'm your host, Jeff. Today, we're doing a redo because the first time we did it didn't work. So we're doing a round two. We're going to kind of pretend like we don't know what they're talking about, but also not really because there's a lot of info. So I want to know more. But uh, before we introduce who we're talking to and what we're talking about, let's introduce the co-hosts. We will start ladies first. Kid, what is up? How are you? Oh, I thought you were actually going to introduce Jake, Jake first. Sorry. Damn. Sorry. <laughs> Shots fired. Sorry, I just, I felt like being a bully today. Jake I said he was a bully when I jumped on here, so I, I figured I'd, I'd give his medicine back to him. Karma. <laughs> You're just a mean lady. Well, what's up, Jake? Okay. How do you feel about that? <laughs> well, my back already hurt, so I got this heating pad on it. But now my heart hurts, so you know, I'll my recover. My back hurts though. too. My pride you was hurting me. last. You know, uh, I love you, Jake. Last time we recorded this, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, it was funny. So we had uh, we had the take one right, and uh, Dan, one of our one of our guests here was talking about how Zencaster sometimes will just drop all your stuff and, and crap itself and stuff. And then I was like, no, there's, you know, no way, you know, Zencaster has been great for us and stuff. And literally that episode, it crapped out and dropped all of Dan's audio. So here we are recording it again. So yeah, right. Hurts, back hurts, I love Zencaster. I love Zencaster. Click <laughs> <laughs> your heels together three times yeah. and, and say, I love Zencast yeah. looking in the mirror. Whisper sweet um, nothings. <laughs> yes, but so speaking of this, the topic we're doing, we're we're well, we're not covering shit. We're listening to a couple other people tell us about the box saga, and those couple other people are uh my good friends Dan, Danunaki Dan, and Andy from the Deep Share podcast, Dan's from the Rising from the Ashes podcast, and you guys have like 10,000 other podcasts, but what is up, gentlemen? <laughs> How's it going, man? Uh, we, Thanks for I having don't. us. Again. I hardly have any. Yes, welcome back. I don't either, really. I mean, Horns it was up. starting to happen, and then I like got in control of the spider web. That's good. <laughs> good move. I'm, I'm juggling now with three. It's like, oh, shit. But, yeah, me and Andy yeah. just Our do other the show deep show. Horns we- up. Yeah, we do horns up and then our regular shows. Aficionados. Yeah, yeah. Just a good show. Professionals. We try. I I like it. So uh, most people are probably going to be like, what did he say we're talking about? Box Saga? Box Saga. Um, B-O-C-K. Still don't know where to start with this. So I'm just going to kind of lay this in front of you guys. uh, Yeah, I got a good like intro going here. Um. Basically, it's an entire different uh, history 
it's um, one story from of about one family based on one sound system. And this sound system is called root language. And this root language spoken by these people, this story comes from Finland, uh, tells the story of the human race according to this saga. And it's extremely intense. <laughs> so that's a little, just the intro, I guess. But um, yeah. The hidden history of humanity. Yeah, basically. Yeah, the roots of the inversion we see all the time. Um, a lot of the word magic, wordplay, puns that uh, we see pop up in a lot of topics. This seems to have um, have that same behavior, but with a lot more magnitude behind it. The etymology of things. So I was thinking about this a little bit earlier about like how you guys might approach kind of talking about this in a way that's a little bit more digestible, right? Just from like what I've heard you guys talk about on other shows. I feel like when I hear you guys talk about the geography situation, right? Like the physical layout of the whole situation like that. That's what clicked for me. And then it made the rest of the shit make sense. Mm -hmm. But you talk about the concentric rings and stuff yeah, like, like that? the rings and just like where, like Helsinki. how this, yeah, the whole day, yeah, the physical aspect of it. So the, the story goes through the time periods of paradise time and then Atlantis or Atlantis, uh, which is the ice time and then history. And in paradise time, the earth was upright. It was before the tilt happened, supposedly. And um, this puts Helsinki at the very top of the world. But at that time, it was called hell. And it was um, seven islands with uh, an island in the middle. And it was all called Udenma, which is also the name of the sun, Udin. And uh, so it was like the place of Udin. And um, this society was structured in concentric rings, very much like what we see in Atlantis folklore and um that makes sense because these ring cities in this story were all over the planet in paradise time the entire planet was tropical experiencing good weather for growth and s sustainable life and uh up in the north pole where this society was taking place and where humanity was supposedly coming out of, which is called this place called the Acer. Um, from there, um, I kind of lost my train of thought there. There's so much to it, but, um, <laughs> yeah, ask me some more questions. So yeah, <laughs> I, got I have you, a question. Bro. Yeah. Is, yes. is there any, um, so I know that, based off the different theories of like the flat earth or the hollow earth or whatever it is, some people have kind of tried to illustrate that. Is there any good illustrations that people can find online that would kind of explain this in a way, anything that you've come across? Unfortunately not, but I really am because this comes up a lot and <clears throat> it, it's important. And I think a lot of people bring it up because it's important. I think I want to start trying to make some drawings of, of what this mm -hmm. kind of looked like better for people especially the different time period thing. The paradise time is one thing. And then you have Atlantis, or as they say in this story, Altlantis, all the land is ice, which is when the earth tilts. This is the Ragnarok, the mm -hmm. great destruction. 
And when this happens, the ice covers the northern hemisphere. All the lands uh, are covered in ice, except for Udenma, which is no longer at the top of the planet anymore. But because of the Gulf Stream, they say, um, it kept all the waters in the Gulf of Finland warm and the air warm enough to create this, as they say, rosette or this figure eight which kept the water there, kept the air warm in this one place, creating this big unfrozen area where they were able to survive while the entire rest of the Northern Hemisphere was covered in ice. Kind of like an oasis, but not in the desert. Right. And Dan, you always go into the the lands, like all the actual names of the countries now that we're talking about to kind of give it yeah. a little bit more dimension here. Um I always forget like most of them at the time, but like Finland and England and Greenland. I put a link in, uh, in the chat notes. Um, so you guys can click on it. This is, uh, the Yggdrasil tree and it shows like, a like a world and with a tree. And then it'll, sh it shows you the rock in the middle, the, the tree of life coming out from that. And then you can see kind of like four rivers coming out from from there and you can see like a ring around in the inside which is actually the Ouroboros and then on the outside of that Yggdrasil image you see a big ice wall and uh, so this, this is, is kind of this is kind of a pretty close example I would say of what Udenma looked like during the ice time uh, because it was surrounded by this ice wall and it was called all, all land, all, fuck, all land east because all land was ice. So Ireland, Scotland, England, uh, Daneland, Poland, all the lands surrounding this area were all covered in ice. So they got trapped in this area. They couldn't uh, get out of there. Um, but inside of the ice, it's still it's not like frozen inside. They can still, it's still livable habitat, but they're also, you know, it's digging tunnels yeah. and they're going underground too. Uh, I mean, I'm sure certain time periods or certain times of the year were probably a lot worse than others. I don't, it doesn't, I don't necessarily know that exactly, but um well, the story kind of concludes that Atlantis, that time period, created the Arctic people along with the art, you know, just like the Arctic animals, like our the dark tropical skin turned white, it would mm -hmm. lost the melanin, and blue eyes and green eyes, blonde hair, red hair mm -hmm. came in, and the Caucasian race was born according to this saga. And then, of course, we connect it to the the next disaster which is when the ice starts to recede and they don't necessarily talk about the melting of the ice but they talk about the ice scraping across the surface of the earth so it was like moving south and it destroys Udenma again which is interesting because just that play on words hell sinky this place was known as hell and it sunk and this is also an interesting reference to a lot of the stories you hear about Atlantis. Even when you get into like the woo woo, when people are like channeling and fucking having past life 
regression back to like, oh, I was at Atlantis and stuff like that. It's all about this destruction and this like flooding and everything. So that's an interesting connection there as well. But when they come out of the ice, they're bound to meet up with the rest of the world that has been like thousands of years stunted compared to them because they were trapped under the ice for so long. And and when they come out the ice, I think this is kind of when we get the, the, the gods idea, the, the, the Greek gods, and, the Nephilim, well, the, yeah, the Anunnaki and all these other different types of gods idea, because I think at that time they were, uh, maybe even a little later, they were starting to go around and trying to re-civilize these civilizations because there was a catastrophe that wiped everything out. Um, Right. But but I think there's probably lots of different catastrophes, so I couldn't say exactly which one. But they didn't come out until like the younger Gaius basically that time melted the ice or broke the ice apart, depending upon where you go with either comet impact or just climate change. <laughs> you know, whatever you, however you want to go with that. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> is this were they just like in an area that wasn't covered in in uh in a, a glacier or were they like under this glacier somehow in like a cavern you'd picture basically an entire area that was surrounded by a mile high glacier in every direction but that was, so it was staying like outside the ice and we're talking mm-hmm. about like i mean if you think about the size of the actual physical city of helsinki and go a little further than that because you have to include some of the islands that are south of it that are included in the story as well we're talking about a massive area so mm-hmm. it's like it's you know picture game of thrones like you see the fucking wall of ice and it just keeps going mm-hmm. and you don't see the the south castle and or, or anything like that because it's so far away it's a big area and it's just slight it's it's the arctic so it's it's really cold we know what it's like in iceland and finland and norway and places like that it's that climate basically where outside of it or probably worse than that than what it is now of course but like it was just remaining habitable not necessarily paradise at all anymore mm-hmm. so things changed like in their their uh fertility rights and their their systems changed but they still mirrored what they were trying to do before and everything but it's an interesting story i'm glad you brought that up because that was exactly what i was thinking it was i was trying to wrap my head around like the uh losing of the melanin and stuff and then basically creating white people and everything i was just like but if it was a tropical paradise and that's kind of what i had in my head but yeah if you picture like an iceland sort of a thing it's just like okay so habitable but not like you know hey let's go hit the beach you know (laughs) no no they do kind of claim that that's what it was in paradise time before you Mm -hmm. know before the tilt happens and everything but once this ice age happens we it's the setup at least maybe not now but like you know it's the setup for what scandinavia is kind of like now i would say probably Mm -hmm. worse though (laughs) <laughs> so you mentioned fertility rights, and I heard you guys talk about this on uh, Tinfoil Hat. <clears throat> Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, the offer ring system, and it's all yeah. tied into the language and everything. There's so many angles to come at it, like the just the simple idea that our entire language, every language, all of our alphabets, and keep in mind that this ringed like letter system that they call the root language, this 
alphabet is called Alphernes Betten. So it's like very close to Germanic already and modern English. And it means the rhyme of the Allfather or the rhyme of elves. So that's interesting too. Um, I have the book here. I have the whole alphabet. I could go into that if you really wanted me to. Yeah, we could. We could. Um, I would like to do Jeff, that, but it was the, ask, fertil- the fertility. Yeah. Um, so the yeah. offering. So the idea that every letter, every single letter that we know is comprised of either a hole or a part of a ring or a pole. It's all lines and poles. And quite literally, the saga takes it to the level where this is like the most simple part of the story too because it all starts with sex it's all about literally the rod and the hole and all that it's the symbolism of that entirely and ones the and for- zeros yeah bingo that's a great example um also it's so the fertility rites it's it's kind of like think of how we look at like the blood rites that a lot of like evil cults are doing these days it's almost like they there was an inversion of that um or the blood rights are an inversion of what it used to be which was semen and the semen was like the seed of god that was being like nurtured and and produced by the energy of the sun into the human being so this seed was paramount and it was the sun it was the energy it was everything yeah i can get into this stuff so just, I, I, I know this part really well the the so they the sun was the soul so Uden Ma was the sun and the soul I was trying to find that poem that's what I'm doing looking through the book um which is interesting because we name our son soul yeah yes. exactly yeah. so what they say is that why change it right the sun is what gives us our soul and that goes into our sperm so what they wanted to do is try to keep that soul uh whole uh with the the wheel the devil that devil wheel that's it's the wholeness of keeping that all together so they created these caste systems which was like uh a way for the procreation system because the last son was not able the last caste system uh male was not able to procreate uh, because he he was too far out of like the the soul container, because one they didn't want it to like dwindle down too much and get diluted, so they made it so that there's these caste systems, so that way it all goes back towards uh the center again, and it stays strong. And so they had like it's kind of hard to so it's like selective though. breeding basically. They were they were yeah only breeding like the strongest males with you know yeah Yeah, and they were keeping that same seed they want basically keeping it in the family but not really it wasn't like direct um incest or anything like we see again we see a lot of that kind of shit today but this was more like a like a mathematical setup from cast to cast to cast and then as dan said at the end of the cast systems in that ring system it would like kind of recycle back through. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of people that are into box saga that still can't 
completely swallow, no pun intended, uh, what this ritual is at least being claimed as by the originators of the story, which is a lot of fellatio, a lot of sexual rights like that of taking in the seed and everything yourself, making it stronger and stronger, things like that. They can also relate it to other traditions around the world that are less direct and physical of that metaphor or maybe should I say like the other cultures are more metaphoric with it where it's like semen retention, but it's still the same idea. And box saga claims that all those cultures originally came from this one breeding system. So it's kind of that idea holding on to this seed and making it stronger. It's a lot to swallow. Well, I mean, it makes sense if you really think about like, I mean, you could think about Royal families just in the sense of the history that we're told, right. You know, yeah, all Royal families, they were inbreeding, yeah. you know. Well, that's um, why or they, they were marrying. I, think I would say that's why the royal families now is to try to keep that seed as strong as it once was without diluting it. So they have to do it within mm-hmm. their own like family lines because that's the only place where that seed is available or left. That just seems backwards to me. Which part? <laughs> the whole inbreeding part <laughs> well yeah 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 it definitely yeah. I is think it's, we're talking like, I, about I understand i understand the point that it's trying to make but like it just seems backwards to me yeah well, nowadays I mean, you get like whole... all kinds of messed up stuff oh, when you start yeah. doing that you know yeah, yeah. oh yeah, well this exactly. also starts to expose when you start to look into this and what it's really saying you start to see like big archetypes start popping up too you start seeing this like keep it enclosed like the closed off society Uh, versus a wide open one with no rules you see a lot of like old control versus like new age luciferian wild spirit shit you know it's very like contrasty there and we kind of relate a lot dan and i talk deep about like certain parts of history that relate to this and talk about like certain members of the saga in the family which we can kind of consider lines we can't really think it's like an individual but lines of families moving in a certain direction we're equating to things like the the fall you know of lucifer we're talking about like a member of the box saga leaving the old way behind and kind of like hubris thinking himself to be the king when he wasn't and this leads into like egyptian stories of ra the sun the sun king because in the box saga, the firstborn son is Ra, but it represents the moon, not the sun. So there's a lot of inversion going on. There's a lot of connection from this Finnish mythology right through to these other parts of history as well. So, okay. So, and I think I said this when we recorded the first time, but from my understanding, it seems like this much probably much older or at least much more sophisticated civilization right when they come out and see the rest of the world they pass on a lot of this knowledge right Right. and that's why we see a lot of the same rituals and the languages and everything can kind of be tied back to this um but the reason that things are kind of flipped and inverted and perverted do you think that maybe that was done on purpose when the information was being given that's the, the third the Ragnarok. Shmucks. Yeah, that's what they call the third Ragnarok, the third great destruction. So the first two were were natural disasters, as we've described. The third one is man-made. This is when, in the story, the Catholic Church has been 
you know, dominating the entire area and completely destroying all remnants of heathenism and paganism. And at the very core of it is this Bach line, this Bachstrom line of people from the Acer that hold on to the original knowledge and they hold on to it in a physical place that's still located today in Sippo, Finland called the Lemminkainen temple. This character of Lemminkainen is a character that exists in accepted Finnish folklore. Eeyore Bach in the eighties, when he released the Bach saga, he's showing how it's, this is possibly a hidden part of Finnish folklore that isn't written about, or it's just like the little missing pieces of it in a way. So interesting, dude. And it's interesting to think that maybe that information was given to the rest of the schmucks. Wrong oh yeah. So, so the Catholics, right. So the pa- papal army comes in to uh, Udenma, which isn't, isn't even called Finland yet. It's like it, it's a very difficult area of history and geography to to find information on it's almost like uh you're trying to prove negatives like you know mainstream historians will say there's no way a papal army was there destroying some heathen group that you're talking about because they they can't prove that a papal army wasn't there they can just prove other areas where they were so it's like not likely to them but then eight years later i think it's only eight years later accepted history puts a lot of context into this idea that Finland was destroyed. This Helsinki area was decimated. And that's how the saga goes, that the Catholics came in and destroyed everybody and burned it to the ground. And in the documentaries available on YouTube from the late Jim Chesner, who is very close to the box saga, he takes you to these places in modern day Finland and shows like, you know, they'll be, they'll either be like a Catholic Christian mon- uh you know, a monolith or, or celebratory statue on these old heathen grounds. It's like a, a, you know, a real mockery, of course, hidden in plain sight, or it's even an ode to the old heathen ways. It, that seems to be even more of a mockery because of course it's a place of like cover up and destruction of these people. Yeah, kind of like we're going to tear your stuff down and build our stuff on top of it. Near, near, near. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, we'll even give you a trophy and have you, show, you know, wave to everybody, make them think that you got out. You, you know what I mean? Sometimes there'll be a heathen, like a Viking statue or something that he points to. They, oh yeah, well, this story is not true, but behind this story is actually what really happened, and it's even worse. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. So wild, dude. And I, I think. I mentioned the last time too the Electric Universe. Did you guys ever go check out the Thunderbolts project and the Electric Universe? Absolutely, yeah, Those dude. Guys like are awesome. getting into that shit changed my perspective on so many things, man. And so it's like when you say things like, "Oh, this was before the Earth's tilt in this golden age," right? Right. That like I have no problem understanding what that means because of the Electric Universe and the Thunderbolts project and how they've laid out their videos explaining what that meant you know and it's like yeah you know i truly believe there was in a golden age going back who knows a million years or something right and like that's when we were probably at our peak uh you know consciously and probably technologically as well so have you ever like taken electric universe and matched it up with like uh the principles of alchemy that's a um, fun talk. That's something fun to get into for sure. Somebody I talked to, uh, Chance Garden from mm. Interverse. We talked about yeah, that. Somebody, yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's wild stuff, dude. Um, we wild just talked stuff. to uh, Tess Clark, 
and she does uh electric universe stuff and like saturn saturnian cosmology and everything and uh at the end of the interview after we were done recording i asked her if she had 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 ever heard of the box saga and she's like yeah i have actually and actually if you look at the box saga the timeline in the box saga actually coincides really well with the timeline of the uh electric universe and uh the stuff that i have put together on uh, my website so there's another person like outside of outside of that that's also kind of confirming the timeline of of how things happen in the world too uh from uh from like a cosmological perspective rather than a historical uh, i have some exciting news too about some like an outside source i have a friend who is a, a professional in remote viewing and she's pretty well esteemed in the community of remote viewing and she teaches and she has a bunch of students and i told her about the saga because she's very fascinated by fairy tales and folklore and the thing with fairy tales is it's about fair people it's about these people this old history that's been relegated to fiction and fairy tales so we don't believe any of it and uh so i got into it with her and she was fascinated by it she was picking up on a lot of different pieces of it and so we decided that this part of the story about lemminkainen temple should possibly be her students next target so we're gonna find out possibly if there is a massive treasure of this old world inside this area of Finland in this rock formation. So do you think that we would even entirely, but it's kind of like after they knew the Catholics were coming, the box were able to hide and like kind of destroy the front entrance or something kind of completely decimate the, uh, the opening to the Lemminkainen temple. And it was, you know, supposed to be remain, closed and hidden for a thousand years do do you think that we would even know like if let's say the team whoever it is is out there and they get in there and it's just something wild bro like just i don't know some indiana jones artifact (laughs) that's like glowing you know whatever it is like do you think we would even know like what they tell us like as in would the information get to us right i'll spread it around because i taught we talked to those guys (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i don't know i just like i maybe it's my and, own bias. And, and jeff there's fifth there's over i, be, I believe this summer there was over 2500 volunteers that were headed to lemminkainen all these self-proclaimed bacchists heading there to help dig and, and help excavate this place well i guess in my mind it's like the same with any other kind of dig right you know you find something wild mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden like the suits come in <laughs> Maybe they're like here. Well, that's another theory that Dan and I have talked about. About like that's kind of what happened last time. Is they they all got in trouble for for uh, hashish and drugs, and they had to stop digging because they are all going through all kinds of other trials and uh, law problems, and so it never never ended up getting done. But the temple is on uh, uh, like property of somebody that they know uh i think it it's was on eeyore's property it's on eeyore box property i thought it got so bought it's by his somebody family's else property though, and it was confiscated like yeah it did they know the guy but yeah, yeah. he's lenient about the, the digging but yeah it was yeah. once his family's for from what eeyore said it was in his family for of course ever yeah. but 
generations known to accepted Finnish history and that he does kind of come from royalty. Yeah. So it's on private property. So technically they shouldn't have any uh, problems like with like red tape or anything like that. They should be able to uh, do what they want to there. Dude, that'd be so crazy to find like a tomb or a temple, just find some stash of like ancient, like pre cataclysmic civilization stuff. That's what you know? this might be. Yeah. Dude, but shit. also, Dan and I have been crazy. thinking about a theory. I think, Dan, you're the one who brought it up to me originally that like the idea yeah. that what if all the amazing quote unquote you know, gems from antiquity and all the statues and the carvings and all the gold, all the things we already see that have all this symbolism that is secretly related directly to box saga, but it's accepted by, you know, the Babylonian history and, and all these other cultures. We just associate it there. No problem. Yeah. But it's actually all the treasure that was once in Lemminkainen and that it's actually already been raided and that we've just grown up all of us looking at actually, you know, pre-destruction antiquity items without even knowing it and just unfortunately attributing it to whoever, you know, they want us to attribute it to. Yeah, I've kind of uh, reformed that idea and I think maybe there was just artifacts outside of Lemminkainen that they didn't necessarily put in there or stuff that they hid or buried and that all and spread to other cultures too and other areas is still in there and i think that's where we get like these stories of like king arthur and the enchanted swords and like these different relics and different uh types of weaponry because there seemed to be like a higher class of weaponry that they're finding in the middle ages that's like way too good for what they're supposed to be able to have at the time so it's almost like they're finding Mm -hmm. uh these relics or whatever from a lost time before them that was of a higher civilization and then then it comes to them in some other you know the lady in the lake or some other type of way where Mm -hmm. they're able to get in touch with these weapons and then all of a sudden they have this enormous amount of power because uh, they're able to wield these weapons that other people can't stop. Yeah, it's it's everywhere. I mean, if you look at the uh, the Egyptian beards on the uh, golden sarcophagus, you know, it's like that's that's a Bach beard right there. That's mm-hmm. the the northern beard. Same with the Anunnaki and the Twatha de Danan from Ireland. All these shiny white, you know, beings with blue eyes and blonde hair. They all have these traits. The shining ones, yeah. Shining ones in the Hopi prophecy, yeah. I heard this theory once that we we are Atlantis, like the the Earth is Atlantis, uh, and we just with time we've lost our history and we've just retold our history. Now we think our history is just fairy tales. And as, when you said that, what if the temple was already raided and we've grown up with that history in the Babylonian already and whatever that may be. That's what that reminded me of. And I'm like, it, it just kind of dawned on me like, Whoa, exactly. It's exactly that. We just kind of lost everything in translation there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's like the hero's journey thing, right? I mean, it's yeah. we're always telling the same hero stories over and over and over again. And yeah. yeah, it's just it's kind of like gets into the fractal geometry of 
how psychedelic this place is. Everything's just fractal. Yeah, I think the there's a saying about like only 12 stories have ever been told. They've just been told different ways with different characters, <clears throat> but it's like the same 12 stories and ever, going back to before stories were a thing. You know what I mean? It's like, And they can all just be related, you know, with a mirror image back to like self-discovery. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Most of the time. Yeah, this is uh, very reminiscent, Jeff, of the... Uh, Atlantis episode that you did where basically I think we were trying to get Jeremy on board with the idea that Atlantis was like everything right and that all these cultures belonged to Atlantis and so it was like we kind of used the like the Roman Empire the Roman Empire controlled most of you know well the world at the time right the uh, uh, civilized world and but you had you know, Israel and you had, you know, India and you had all these other areas that were just all mixed up in there, but they're all the Roman empire. So the Romans had their influence and in everything you, so you would see, you know, whatever you would say was exclusively like, oh, this was, you know, this area's art and their culture and all sorts of stuff. Yes, that may have been, but it was also Roman influenced because they had, you know, that whole area under control. And so, I like that this is kind of tying into all that. What, you know, Jeff, you, what you were really pushing on was that, you know, yeah, you're seeing the the Babylonians and you're seeing um, uh, the Assyrians and you're seeing all these different groups and you're seeing, you know, all of their all of their own personalized style. But who's to say that that style wasn't influenced or didn't first belong to this other group that it was basically all everybody at the time. Yeah, it's like and a backstory. kind of disseminated down, right? It doesn't really like fuck with anybody's individual cultural theories, you know. It kind of just gives an absolute distant past backdrop mm-hmm. to it all. You know, right. that's what a lot of people, you know, at first it it's like attacking exactly what we believe or everything we believe, even about our language. But then once you start to really understand, it's like, all right, this is just piecing everything together in an interesting way and connecting mm-hmm. to different parts of the world and okay that doesn't necessarily take away from what cultures in you know 9000 BC were thinking because this is eons after the saga my interpretation of these cultural uh and symbolic uh carryover from the old saga times to what we're talking about with Babylon Babylon and and you know, all of Mesopotamia and everything like that, all the symbols being the same. I think a lot of it is, is because we don't have cultures that exist for more than a couple hundred years anymore. We have cultures that rise and fall constantly. Right. And, uh, back then, hypothetically, this was a culture that was existing for millions and millions of years uninterrupted again in this, if it works, don't break it kind of old way. It just went around in a circle over and over and over again. I think personally it would take that kind of time period to create muscle memory in us where we're regurgitating these same stories or regurgitating these same symbols. We may have picked up 
absolutely meaningful reason to justify the symbols on our own cultural accord, irregardless of what they meant originally. You know, so that's kind of my explanation as to why the saga doesn't necessarily have to mess with anybody's other theories, because we're talking about history that's hypothetically millions of years before all of our ancient alien stories anyway. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? <clears throat> It's so wild, I mean, dude. You know, just an example. <laughs> this makes me think of like I don't know. I have this weird fascination with like uh, old fantasy stuff, right? So like Lord of the Rings, for instance. Hell yeah, you know. And I like to, <laughs> yeah. I like to think, right? You know, or, or like, did you guys play Skyrim? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. everybody played Skyrim, right? So yeah. I heard I this theory, and maybe it's true that. that apparently Skyrim, <laughs> Skyrim, and Fallout are in the same universe, right? And that. <laughs> from what I understand Skyrim is after fallout. So like after the nukes and all the radiation, then thousands of years later, people had like magic powers. They were living like with swords and shit. But like, this is this kind of thing makes me think about this stuff. Right. Or like how I was thinking about Lord of the Rings. I always like to imagine that middle earth was a real place at at a point in time in past where there was elves and fucking hobbits and magic and all the shit. Right. And then, that all gets lost with millions of years, but yeah. that's what this makes me oh. think of. Like we're talking Tolkien, about the uh, Fox saga and I'm you, thinking middle earth. Makes I, me think of never like, ending story and shit, but then like too. Tolkien was, was say, obsessed with Finnish grammar and shit. Go ahead, if you man. look at like, uh, like evolutionary charts of humans, which some people might not agree with, but you, they have found like homo florensis and like Denisovans and, all these different types of groups of people. And the farther you go back from homo sapien, the more and more like animalistic they start to look. And I think when you go back millions of years to this kind of time period, you can kind of see how elves and dwarfs could have had these types of look to them and evolve to the point where they're more human homo sapien looking now. And so that kind of, brings that together a little bit yeah like the Mm. elongated skulls that that um many have discovered and talked about like we can't discount that like i discount ancient aliens to this box saga story all the time but the elongated skulls are really interesting and i wonder if it does still connect back to that time period and we were just different maybe these strongest and biggest that were being bred really resembled like tall grays or something, or these white uh, Nordic aliens that the bird diary talks about and shit. You know, that's super interesting. I want to try to connect that because, you know, when you get into like ufology and and all the different races of aliens and we made deals and all this shit, the tall Nordic beings are always in the list of beings, right? Go pick a YouTube video of like, here's all the extra trash. Yeah, the Nordics are definitely a thing, right? So thinking about like this advanced civilization emerging from this place, right? That's been cut off for call it a hundred thousand years, right? Millions, suppose millions of years, right? The They've entire been there for length of an ice age. So long, so advanced, and they come out and then all the other people on the on the planet, right, or plane or whatever, they see these white people they've never seen white people right the shining ones that they Mm -hmm. see and then like i talked about this last time right the the man bag that we see on all the reliefs and carvings right where these these beings that came 
right, had this man bag, which Graham Hancock and other people say, like, that must be a symbol for the knowledge somehow, because this is when agriculture came. This is when math started showing up. This is when Mm -hmm. all these things started popping up. And it's like, dude, you know, I don't know, man. And you know, what's funny is last time I said somebody should make a movie out of this. And then I went and looked and there's like a bunch. (laughs) I don't know if they're any good. I haven't watched any. Lord of the Rings. I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm what thinking about Egyptian carvings and whatnot, like, um, like the the pharaohs with dog heads and everything. Mm. You said that we looked more; they looked more Dogs. animalistic and everything. Yeah. Well, well, in the box saga, the the ha- biggest hard to swallow is the origin story about um, ape and and uh, goat, goat being our origin pan and the goat symbolism oh the goat symbolism so who did that who did what? <laughs> well if if our origin is between yeah like who spliced the genes i guess well no so, so that's, well that's an interesting take i mean we usually don't the box saga doesn't claim that at all dan explains it pretty well just by like a necessity almost of like nature or something yeah it's like a, a desperation of for nature. possibly consciousness yeah because to get through uh, i don't know but most things on the world were wiped out so you get to a point where there's only a few things left and they had to repopulate. Normally a goat and an ape couldn't procreate and have um, kids together. So uh, punny, but in this instance, (laughs) they were able to, because it was a necessity to keep life going. So life always finds a way to keep existing. And at this time there wasn't very much life left and they had to exist. So they had to procreate in order to have, uh, so life. That's not like, that's not like the sagas and like the saga kind of does it in this very holy way where it's like the sun, you know, kind of directed this to happen. And it was in this one exact place in the North pole where the literal vortex is at the North pole in this hole where it was this conception. And this is where the two original humans came out named Frey and Freya. Yeah. And this is why it's whole E because the E, which is a lowercase I in our language is a symbol of the pole and the North star above. So it's the whole E and it's the Holy land. It's really weird. That's why there's like two uh, stories of like creation too, like in the Bible, right? There you have the, your normal story, which was uh, God created everything. And then on the sixth day, humans. But then later, then you get your Adam and Eve story because afterwards they had to start over again with uh, the goat and the ape. And then that created the Frey and Freya, the Adam and the Eve. And then life. It's so wild that you that. said that about the sun, Andy. Because while Dan was talking before that, I was thinking to myself, like, I wonder if you know some one of the cataclysms in the back in the day was like some kind of solar flare or something, right? And this uptick uh-huh. of radiation from the sun, something yeah. like that. And then you were like, "Oh, they said that the sun change made this change happen." And I'm like, "Yeah, like it was destined to happen through Udin, right? It's right. a very mythological story the way they put it." So, I mean, this is the the big who knows, right? But, but there could be a scientific explanation is what I'm saying, right? Like we know that the sun 
can cause evolutionary oh, yeah. adaptations and things, right? So Speed like it's possible. Up, yeah, it's possible that it, especially if we're in some kind of crazy alignment with other celestial bodies, who knows what kind of you know electromagnetic energies we're getting down here plus some solar rays of something and then boom the dna shifts and the goat and the monkey are able to bone it's also <laughs> i don't know if i mentioned this to you guys on take one but um my weird theory about how when you look at the groups that are possibly in the know on like our ancient history and what all the symbols might actually really mean it's almost like you can kind of put it down to a duality of sorts and um, looking at the prevalent scientific model is that we come from apes. And it's interesting that that's not a straight. If you look at saga as if it's the hidden history, it's not a total lie that takes away from the hidden history, but it's missing one half. And it's an important half to be missing because it's the goat. It's the most suppressed part of history along with all of the heathenism that goes along with the symbol of the goat it's the most demonized as well so it would be hypothetically kind of interesting if it was true and this would follow suit in their whole philosophy of destruction of that worldview and hiding it forever and like only maintaining one side of the uh, the story it would be interesting but that's just a hypothetical this shit fascinates me dude and to think that like <clears throat> all of our civilization is rooted in this, you know, much more ancient civilization and we're just like doing it wrong. You know what I mean? It's like we got little snippets of like how to do shit and we're just doing it wrong. And they had it <laughs> right. It's not just the know? saga doing it either. There's a lot of uh, etymologists that will concur about the phonetic roots of things and how it's really the sound of letters themselves and where you can trace them back to. And that's kind of how you find the real roots. And it's not at all what, you know, what it's, what's accepted history will tell you, you know, of where we were, you know, it tells a much different tale. It seems. What's the I best. Am... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I, as like you mentioned last time, like a lot of our current words are like little play on mm. old, like different words. Like, um, I can't remember what you said in the first take, but like earlier you said fairy tales. I like, I wrote it down here. I find that so very interesting. And like, now I'm listening very carefully for like, different yeah, now start looking through mythology, that, like, look at Irish mythology with. and, and Scythian and like, just follow it all along. And you find all of these characters with bright blonde hair and all these very Viking looking or pre Viking kind of looking. There's uh, also attire uh, in the mythology. Holy land holy uh the whole yeah that was another e. one holy um yeah ball yeah. and lance the, balance yeah which yeah. you know it's like english is supposed to be much more recent so it almost feels intentional right i was actually just saying this to andreas exertus earlier that it feels intentional where like english is like purposely hiding secrets for people yeah. to find but I, I don't even know if that's possible i i don't know if it's coded in that way or if, if some other force is kind of, it's almost like an intention has to get through regardless. I don't, I don't know. It's a, yeah. it's absolutely perplexing to me how it has occurred, but English is clearly coded in some way or disrupted. And it is tied to this third Ragnarok where the Catholics destroy everything. It seems where the language has completely been decimated this root language. 
if that if that was true, then it would make sense as to why um, English is the dominant language on Earth. I mean, uh, like I spent eight months in South Korea. They teach English the way that you know our schools teach Spanish and stuff. But it's like everyone that's young there knows at least enough English to get by. All these other countries know English and stuff. You know, when trade deals go on, you know, around the world they're usually done in English, right? Or at least, you know, some of it. And so it's like, and then also now, I mean, I wonder if there has anything to do with this whole, like, seems like a a huge effort to like change the definitions of what Mm. these like current words mean and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Right. Is there, bingo? you know? Yeah. Because I mean, we're talking about an oral story that, is supposedly passed down from generation to generation. It takes 20 years for the person to really grasp it all in their heads for root language to start kicking in, in their head. And this is what Eeyore Bach did and all of his predecessors. So um, we're talking about as soon as it hits paper, these words and letters can break off from the original sound they're attached to pronunciation starts to blur the lines and suddenly the story doesn't make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. So it falls apart right there. So whether by coercion or not. It's kind of like what I said last time with, it reminded me of a show, Buddy wrote chameleon down on the ro- mm. on the board. But then when he said it out loud, he said chameleon. It's, it's <laughs> so easy to take a written word and interpret it a different way. Mm-hmm. And, right. and instead of getting chameleon, you get chameleon. Yeah, and it's I like we. If- I think that human beings have ha- unfortunately done this. This is like the epic game of telephone we've all been playing through disasters and fallen rises and falls of empires and this and that as language changes. But this one seems to be really particular with all the inversions and everything, and that's what the you know the parasite class is kind of known for anyway. Is this inversion? But then we go even further. We find out that inversion itself was a way for even the good guys to pass messages to each other to not get found out. It's interesting how they're the further you go into the box saga, this line between the good and bad guys kind of seems to dismantle, at least with the words and the terminologies as we understand them. Like Dan said in the beginning, uh, the wheel, uh, the wheel, the wheel. Devil. Say it like a German person. Devil is devil, you know, but it's not even talking about an individual. It was actually a totally different concept. The oral according boros. to these old, yeah. these old languages. Yeah, it's really interesting. And then there's We've also personalized e, so many things. E moon system. Oh, the e moon system, right? Yeah, yeah. Where you're getting health by system. drinking your own cum. <laughs> the mouth is the moon shape. <laughs> I want to break down the English language so badly now. Start with Gallagher this with is, the fucking this is water. So wild. Well, they say that uh, English is a derivative of this root language. It came. It came out of that. And uh, what Yake yeah, said Chesner is that English. Yeah, English uh, was from from the root, uh, but it's also mixed with some some other type of language. Uh, Yake said Vonner. he wasn't really sure. Well, but Vonner could be all. Chesner the different says it's Vonner and root combined. Yeah, that's true. Sorry, man. 
yeah so then so then the english language is combined with another one so that's why you still get some of the these same meanings behind it but then also you get like different ones too because the the two languages combined make the english and if you look at english it's angle the angle land the england it's the angel language so it's the language of the angels and then kind of even goes back into like rune stones and then odin hanging from the world tree upside down to see the runes the runes were already in existence and he plucked them from whatever uh by giving his eye away and so you you have this idea of him finding this language and giving it to mankind and then babylon being or is that when the language got changed the tower of babel so they were able to put yeah. pen to paper. Then it started to mess with the meanings and uh, pronunciations, and and then that's when everything kind of changed. But you you have this connection with, the, like, I have a book about angels, and in it is the angel language, and it looks just like fucking runestones. It's interesting you said that because I was literally thinking that maybe the uh, Tower of Babel story is um, <clears throat> like a story about this, like when the when the story went from being oral, oral to written yeah. yeah, and everything just got fun. Yeah. Also like when we think about God being the one that like breaks the tower, you got to think the Catholic church was standing in place of God, which from the heathen point of view was a word that's, that meant gut or good, like good within is your gut intuition intention. So that, was it externalized through this Catholic changing. It was like a hijacking of this internal experience we all have and externalizing it. Well, let's say the Tower of Babel was way before Catholicism because it was pre-flood. Well, yeah. Yeah, so that doesn't make sense, Andy. But... Well, it would have been post-flood, <laughs> but way before Catholicism. Catholicism yeah. came around from Emperor Constantine you know yeah so i mean yeah way way before yeah bastilia super interesting man that is yeah it's an interesting point it's like we do see in the box saga this absolute demolishing of the heat of everything heathen it would be the proper place to put that that allegory but i mean what do you guys think what what would have gone because i've thought about that too it would have had to have happened probably we're also probably describing some sort of natural process a game of telephone again in some ways so i don't know it might have been taken eons through natural disasters for this to happen so the first first written language that they found was uh like the astra harris or enuma elish from sumeria uh but i i looked into some Mm -hmm. uh, i was chasing down the tribe of dan and i found that they're on ancient origins website they had talked about they found an ancient script writing in um near the black sea and they believe that this writing wasn't typically used it wasn't used for trade and barter like writing typically was used for they said that it had more of like symbolic nature to it and looked like it was used for magic or incantations and so that maybe the reason why um writing existed in in the first place was to spell make spells 
And so that's where we get spelling from. I mean, a lot of people have heard that before already, but uh, so, but the idea that the reason why they first started putting things on paper was to do incantations and spells and do magic uh, is pretty interesting and provocative. And then that whole thing ties into uh, what, what they called the Danube River Valley Civilization which was around the Black Sea area. And this predated the Sumerian history by two to 3,000 years. So looking at around 5,000 to 4,000 BC. Uh, so that's a pretty long time ago. So, I mean, that could really kind of be in part where the Tower of Babel story could have been uh, because it was that long ago. So mm, That's true. Either way, it's like we're recovering a living language or something, because the more we look into how this root language is set up, the more we can kind of connect it to other motifs in history and different time periods and see not how these humans may have intentionally or no knowledgeably were connecting it, but just how it's possibly even just naturally happening throughout our, our history. We're connecting to these same motifs over and over again. That's wild. The first uh, first writings used for spells, and that's why we have the word spelling. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm just putting two and two together. But, man, so, a lot of people talk about like so you know, spelling and, and uh, curse, curse words and all that kind of stuff. It comes up often. So I was just putting it a little bit more into yeah. perspective from like actual stuff that they have found historically that might actually. Oh, no. Like, like I got it. Like it was just. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I it got it. Seems so like obvious. how you just kind of like throwing it around in my head, like you know, we call it spelling, right? That's how we spell <laughs> things, and yeah. originally made up for uh, for casting spells, right? So I was yeah. like, yeah. you know, two and two together in my head. I was like, that's funny. You look at a lot of like, like, <laughs> old, a lot of the old manuscripts were like about like spelling and stuff. Like, what's that big old book that they found? That's all fucking creepy. And evil looking and it's just full oh, of like what the codex weird... gigas <laughs> i don't know dude is that what it's called i don't, I don't think it's called that the codex gigas like the devil's bible yeah the codex devil's gigas bible is the bu- devil's bible it's like yeah. three feet by two <laughs> yes feet. it's fucking huge yes yeah, yeah, the mythology around that i'm gonna too, look it yeah. up right. it's pretty intense that's a, you guys could do a whole is it made out of human skin? Like no, it's the guy know. that was like, like could be did wrong by the papacy or something like that, and instead of killing him, they allowed him to like write a book that would like include all of the histories of all the world. But he had to do it in one night to live or something like that. <laughs> and he like calls upon the devil and shit. It's nuts. But then here we have this physical ridiculous manuscript all appearing to be in the same exact penmanship throughout the entire thing and people say that it would have it should have taken like 25 years to complete or some shit like that it's pretty wild hmm. but it's, yeah dude all this shit is so okay. wild man. I, I wish it yeah. wasn't after 11 o'clock because i totally just want to like talk about this for five hours <laughs> i'm so tired <laughs> <sighs> It's not even no, that I'm tired. It's exactly what he sounds like. That's crazy. <laughs> it's just that. It's just that. I know. do Jeff impressions at stand-up comedy lounges. It's pretty great. No, I'm just That's good, man. I'm glad. I'm glad that <laughs> it works out. It's early for me. <laughs> Can't wait for our next Horns Up episode, right, brother. Right, Jake. Me good. either. I'm excited. <laughs> it's early for us. Um, 
Yeah. <clears throat> so, but bef- before we go, like, what do you think would be like the best resource to like get more info on Box Saga? I would say Jim Chesner's documentaries on YouTube, you know, or the book Jim by Ch- Carl Jim Morgan. Chesner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Type in Jim Chesner, C H E S S N E R, and uh, the documentaries are Welcome to Hell. Welcome to Atlantis and welcome to Rajasthan. And he tells all of these stories much more fluently, much more chronologically. He includes so much of history that we understand and we've heard and just connects it all and shows you how it's related to this saga. It's nuts. Mm -hmm. Andy and I are not experts on the saga. Like we've only been learning about this for... (gasps) I've learned, been like learning. <laughs> I've been learning about it for maybe two years, and I think Andy's like what, like a year now, probably. probably a year uh, and so, a half, probably, yeah. Yeah, so like a lot of this stuff, like we we talked to Yake about because we're unsure about things. We don't know everything in here. Um, no. So I mean, it, it takes a lot of learning, a lot of study to remember a lot of this stuff because it's so deep. You know, so uh, I also recommend the Box Saga introduction, the book, uh, is because for one, it goes through everything really well, and there's stuff in there that is not in the videos, and it's a physical copy, so you can actually see the words on paper, which helps me remember things um, when I actually just read it instead of hear it sometimes. Uh, so also like, you know, I have like tons of notes in mine and like bookmarks freaking everywhere of all these different things. Uh, there, there's so many like interesting things in it. It talks about the military system and how that was a life system, not a death system. Why it's called infantry, uh, why it's called like, uh, military and all these different ideas that come out of that whole thing. And it was uh, used for this procreation system. Uh, so, yeah, that's if you like the word fascinating. magic, you'll love box saga. Yeah, and it also talks, it has a lot of other different word references in it. Uh, it tells you a lot about other different things. It talks about Jerusalem uh, being like the, the, the place where that they uh, kind of consecrated the, the Lemminkainen and the swan um, had sex at. It was like their honeymoon palace, basically. Um, there's, there's so many different aspects of the saga that like, if you just hear these basic ones, it kind of gives you a little bit of a background on like the historical aspect of it. But when you get into it and you get into these little stories and you start to see those connections with other things going on in the world and other things in history that really starts to bring out more aspects of this, uh, together. So I definitely recommend getting the book. And there's also, I think, Box Saga Info. Boxsaga.info. Is that it, Andy? Yeah, Boxsaga.info. It's run by a couple of the guys that are were close with Eeyore and carry on a lot of the like there's a huge gallery of pictures and old videos. Everything's been converted from like VHS tapes, so a lot of it's scratchy. A lot of the audio sucks, but they're these tons of videos from 1984 all the way up to now of different interviews and different um friends of eeyore's telling the story i would say if uh if you're interested check out jim chesner on youtube then if you're still interested you want to learn more get the book 
Then after that, if you really want to get deeper, then start watching a lot of the videos on and listening to the audio on Box Saga Info, uh, because then you'll get even more. Um, but that that I would say that would be my pro- progression with it for people, especially trying to dip their toes in it, because there's a lot there, and uh, it can be kind of overwhelming if you if you're not really prepared for it. Alrighty, guys. Sorry about that. We had some technical difficulties. Um, Andy, Dan, thank you so much for coming on the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Where can the travelers and the listeners uh, find you guys and get more information from your different podcasts and different things that you guys do? Thanks for having us again for take two. I'm glad we got it nailed down this time, man. Um, You can find me, Andy Rouse, at The Deep Share on social media. And my podcast, The Deep Share Podcast, is on every podcast app. And you can find it on YouTube, Odyssey, Rockfin. And, yeah, that's about it. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, I am Daniel Naki Dan. I'm on Rising from the Ashes. I co-host that with the homie Romy. Uh, I also do Horns Up and The Deep Chill with Andy on our Patreon, uh, Patreon Rising from the Ashes and Patreon The Deep Share, uh, if you want to catch those episodes. Yeah, Um, either one. Yep. And then uh, that's about it, man. That's where you can find me. And on uh, Instagram. I'm on the gram. (laughs) The gram? The gram. Such a succulent voice, Dan. I just, I just want to say <laughs> really quickly before everybody says goodbye and whatnot. Jake and I are wearing the same Bigfoot shirts. Oh, stand Nerds. up! I can't see it. That's yeah. awesome! Oh my god, <laughs> that's a great Bigfoot shirt. Are you guys related? <laughs> are you? No, we're, we're twins. Yeah, we're twinning today, though. Do you, do you know each other? In <laughs> No, we just sell them, and they like to wear their own merch. Yeah, oh, we're lame okay. like that. I'm also okay. wearing Infinite Rabbit Hole. I was almost <laughs> going to wear that one today, so yeah. <laughs> and I made Bigfoot into the episode, so. Oh, that's right. We Thank you it. so much. Mm-hmm. All right. We could have gotten we into Red Headed Giants yeah. and connected it. <laughs> <laughs> Got to redo it. Take three. Yeah. Take three. Well, we'll just have you guys back on. I'm sure there's a lot more information to we'll, be covered. We'll bring about. Jeremy on that time, and and yeah, we'll we'll yeah. pick his brain for this too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think Jeremy would really like this. He'd really dig oh, it. Oh yeah. Can't say he'd buy it, but I think he'd really dig it. <laughs> have him watch some videos first. <laughs> I wish we could have gone longer, man. It's too bad Jeff had to go to bed. I gotta. Yeah, we're on the East Coast. We can't help where we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys are all on the west coast me and andy are over here it's like about to it's turn getting tomorrow. it's, it's getting to close to my bedtime too. It's, to be it's, tomorrow. Okay, it's it's morrowing up in here <laughs> all righty then well then we'll call it so that jeff stops complaining about it <laughs> again thank you dan and andy for coming on um this has been another episode of the infinite rabbit hole thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time at the next path of the infinite rabbit hole bye 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 Peace. Gotta say it, Dan. Wake up. There we go.